Good afternoon and welcome to this Thursday's live edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. What a beautiful day we're experiencing here in Memphis in the Mid-South. Had a chance after going to lunch uh, today to come back and it was so beautiful I was not ready to, uh, to come back to work. I said I've got to walk at least two laps around the parking lot and enjoy this beautiful not quite springtime weather, but, uh, you know, the sun's out. We've had this cold weather, and it was quite enjoyable. And I hope you're out and enjoying the day, too. want to welcome you to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. And we are live today. According to IMBD, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs were a 60s Tex-Mex rock and roll band. The group was formed by lead singer Domingo Sam Samudio in 1961 in Dallas, Texas. Now, the original lineup only recorded one record, which failed to sell. They broke up in late 1962. Samudio resurrected the Pharaohs in 1963. The band scored their greatest smash hit with Wooly Bully, which sold over 3 million copies and stayed on the Billboard Top 40 charts for 18 weeks. The song peaked at number two on the pop charts. Wooly Bully was named Record of the Year for 1965 by Billboard magazine. The group went on to record more enjoyably frothy novelty singles, but none of them were as successful as Wooly Bully or Little Red Riding Hood. Have the privilege right now to welcome Mr. Sam the Sham, Sam Samudio. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Welcome to Bot Radio. Glad to be here. Was that me you were talking about? I, I think so, if, if, if I am beast correct. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How about, you didn't know all the great stuff about you. It's a matter of fact, I just, uh, our, our mutual good friend, Mr. David Sitton, who I must first of all say thank you, David. He's off camera right now as we're doing our live show on Facebook. But uh, David was so gracious to come out and pick you up and bring you here today. And uh, David's been a longtime friend of mine. I know yours also. And I uh, just want to salute, shout out to Mr. David Sitton for, for being here today. He and, told me he was taking me out to lunch. That's all he told me. Oh, he didn't take you to lunch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about the interview. He got the two for one. <laughs> but it was something else that David texted me in addition when you're talking about the music. This is pretty phenomenal, I think, Sam. The the first American, you're the first American to produce a record to sell a certified million copies, 3.5 million, during the onslaught of the British invasion, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and all that was happening. I mean, it, did you even realize that you had done that? Uh, shucks, I don't know. I, I, I sure didn't set out to get a number two. I was going for the whole enchilada, <laughs> you know, and it just... But we had been planning that for a long time, and when the Beatles did it, man, I just, I was kind of enraged, you know, somebody else knocked it out of the park. And, yeah. But, you know, everything, to everything, there's a time and a season under the sun, so even running and gunning, I could hear all those <laughs> scriptures in my head from my Aunt Grace <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah. you know. Well, but, when you were a kid, matter of fact, you made your singing debut in second grade representing your school on a radio broadcast, I understand. Uh, do you remember what you sang, and were you nervous being on the radio? Nah, I wasn't nervous. I, I, um, I sang I'm Always Chasing Rainbows, and uh, it it went fine, I guess, that that did it pretty good. Everybody sang it in our house. I mean, that was before uh, prosperity where you could have a radio, you know. We had 
coal oil lamps when I was a kid, and my mother was alive. Uh, but this is serious. I mean, <laughs> you say that, and people give you that. Come on now. Did you have yeah. a bathroom inside the house? What was a bathroom? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about life growing up, where you grew up, something about your parents and family life. Okay. How far back? When I... As a, as a child, where you were born, about your parents, I'm going to get you okay. real close to that microphone. Now, All right. Real close phone. There you go. Well, I was born in Texas, the United States of Texas, and uh, I was born at home, and they tell me it was on a stormy night, and uh, in one room, my mother was going through labor, and midwives were, and the doctor were delivering me. And in another part of the house, uh, my brother and my sister were huddled up in a blanket, and it was storming and lightning and going on. Wow. You know, so, and uh, they named me Domingo, D-O-M-I-N-G-O, which means Sunday. I was born on a Sunday. And uh, Samudio. And, of course, the rest is history. My mother passed. It's not a poor story, but I'm just tossing that sure. out there for no. those people that like to whine. Yeah. You know, you ain't the only one that got dragged through the mud, so shut up and sit in a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, were you, in your home life, were you influenced by Christ? Uh, did the church have any influence on your life growing up? Well, we were good Catholics. We went to church on Christmas night. <laughs> And Easter, Catholic, and did right. First Communion. And then uh, that's, you know, everybody's a Catholic, and you only go to church on holidays, you know. But that's not—I don't want any phone calls from Catholics, and I settle down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I also uh, had a, an aunt, aunt, some people would say, who was named Grace of all names— and uh, my mother passed away when I was three and a half. We went to live with my grandmother across the road, and she died within a year of a broken heart. We went to stay with aunt, aunts, aunts, and uh, during that time, uh, my father was in a, an accident that almost burned him to death in a junkyard. My. And uh, so it was hitting all around. It doesn't take you too long when you see that kind of action to say, whoops. My goodness. <laughs> stay, stay ready, stay alive. Yeah. But it, it's, uh, you know, there's a scripture that says uh, God won't put on you more than you can bear. Yeah. And uh, I was bare. <laughs> <laughs> well, after graduating from high school, Sam, you joined the Navy and you also lived in Panama for six years. Uh, until I guess you finished your term in the Navy. Is that what happened? Uh, I finished my term, but I went to Panama, and I, I was only there maybe not even a year, I guess. It, it was being decommissioned and uh, real good government work. They sent me to yeah. a squadron that no longer existed. So um, when I get to Panama, Coco Solo, I asked for the squadron, and people started, you know, the guys started laughing. It was like desolate. And they said, man, they checked out of here a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your job detail? What did you do when you were in the Navy? I went to Naval Air Reconnaissance School and uh, 
did mapping and flying, and I didn't fly myself, but I went down there to work in a photo lab. Yeah. And uh, at that photo lab, anything that went through the canal, the vessels had to turn over their blueprints of their vessel, where we knew all where all the compartments were known, so that uh, inspectors that went on board would make sure that there's. They were good to go through the canal. Yeah. Hey, before we continue, I want to do say hi to our, our Facebook friends as we're doing a live broadcast here. Uh, Tony Kakamisi, hi to you. Uh, Tony's a longtime friend. He just wanted to say lots of ministry memories with uh, with you in prison ministry, which we're going to talk about today. Okay. But uh, could you ride the mosquitoes down in Panama? Were they pretty big down there? Oh, shucks, man. <laughs> the best way to get along with any kind of parasite or sickness when you go to a foreign country is to eat what you see the uh, the the residents uh-huh. eat, you know. And, of course, if you're fresh meat with uh, McDonald's or whatever in your system, they, they like a change, so they'll <laughs> barrage you. But, no, it, it was fine. It, yeah. Uh, my... My military experience was, I think, phenomenal. I laugh when I think about it because uh, they sent me to a squadron that had been decommissioned a year before I got there. <laughs> so I get to where my my place is supposed to be, and it's desolate. I go to the photo lab, and there's one guy there working with a, a chief there, and this chief was trying to pack to leave the station because they're being decommissioned, and I showed up. Every time I tell somebody, where's the photo lab? And I tell them, and they'd all start laughing. Then I get there, and there's this uh, one individual and, and uh, a seaman there, and I says, I'm here to report to work. And they start laughing and says, this has been decommissioned a year ago. We're packing up to leave. Oh, my. So uh, that's... Uh, well, you, you also kind of got the nickname Big Sam when you were in the Navy. Uh, who pinned that on you? Do you remember that, being called Big Sam? I don't remember. Probably a midget somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and no offense to little people either, huh? No, no, no. no. I mean, they they can kick you in the knees real good. <laughs> no, but it, it's, uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know why they called me that. I just, uh, you know, tags. Okay, now, when you left the Navy, you came back to the States, and you studied voice at Arlington State College, which is now called the University of Texas at Arlington uh, you were studying classical voice, classical music. Oh yes, you know. Yes. So I mean, that's kind of big difference between classical and singing on rock and roll band. Oh, I, I mean, not so much. I mean, what you if you learn the technique of classical music, breathing and and to sing from the diaphragm and not from the throat out. It's uh, it's pretty on the same line, and I'm, like I say, in in school, a lady heard me sing, and she was a voice teacher, and she asked me to stop by, and she'd teach me some uh, technique, and it wasn't very expensive. And then, of course, I, we ran out of money, and I told her uh, that I wouldn't be taking any more lessons because... My father couldn't afford it, and she almost began to cry, and she says, it doesn't matter. You keep coming. I will teach you. Wow. And she did, and uh, I wanted to be a an opera singer. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I just 
My favorite opera is uh, Cavalleria Rusticana by Mascagni. And uh, Maris Mazorki's Boris Gutenhoff. You're speaking a different language to me, well, Sam. But... Uh, uh, well, the, it's, it's just singing the blues and mariachi music are about like opera because they use the diaphragm right. and the whole body to sing. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, I've been blessed all through my life. You know, I just... Well, and back the, in 61, that's when you formed the Pharaohs. Now, how did you come up with that name, the Pharaohs? That's when, uh, I think, uh, Yule Brenner. Yule Brenner, yeah. Yeah, the Ten Commandments yeah. or something. Yeah, and we thought the Pharaohs looked pretty good, so... Uh, I had gotten out of the service, and we decided to name uh, our group the Pharaohs. And then is that about the time that Sam the Sham was, or was Sam the Sham already a name for you then? How did that come about? that wasn't a name yet. I was a Pharaoh. You were a Pharaoh. Okay. Yeah, we were all Pharaohs. (laughs) So you must have messed up and became a Sham then or something, huh? (laughs) No, I wouldn't say messed up. I'd say it was a turn of good fortune. (laughs) I mean, if you get peanuts, make peanut butter, you know? So, yeah, it's, uh, they called it shamming back then when you were cutting up. And, you know, you you can be the best musician in the world and you sit up there like no expression on your face. That's why I love the people that sing blues or sing with their life, you know? It's just, my thought was when you sing, sing as if it were the last time you were going to get to sing. Yeah. You That's know? why I always like to hear B.B. King, you know? Oh, man. I just, <laughs> it just, uh, Mr. King, it just nails it. Okay, now, Wooly Bully is a song, of course, you wrote, recorded back in 1964. Uh, right here in Memphis, Tennessee, you recorded yes. that song. What What was that song about? Oh, nothing. We had a bunch of pieces of songs uh, that we would put together, and uh, people would say, you stole it. Yes, I stole it. So what? <laughs> You're just jealous because you don't even make a good thief. <laughs> now, it's, it's reported when I was doing some research that the song was about your cat. No, it's... Uh, so you didn't have a cat named no, Wooly Bully? No, back then, around that time, when somebody did something or anything, and... Somebody said, well, I just did this, and people kind of in the market, well, woolly bully for you, you know. Well, uh, you know. It's kind of the phrase yeah, of the day. Yeah. yeah, okay. Now, you won a Grammy. Of course, you uh, went solo, and back in 1972, you won a Grammy Award for Best Album Notes for your solo album, Hard and Heavy. Oh, yeah. That's a fantastic album. Not because I, I was in it, but because... I was at a point where I had always wanted to be on Atlantic Records, and um, it was just the players on there, the Memphis Horns. That's right. Yeah, Charlie Freeman, Jim Dickinson. Um, and One of the uh, Allman Brothers was uh, part oh, of Oh, yeah, Dwayne Allman. Dwayne Allman, yeah. played on, on Going Upstairs. Man, it's an awesome album. I, I just, if anybody... Can never find a copy of it, you know. And do you still have copies of your original <clears throat> music? I have them somewhere over at the studio. Yeah. I don't know. I just try not to look in the rearview mirror too much because you're liable to run into a tree, you know. <laughs> Sam, 
at what point in your life did you realize that you were a sinner like we all are, needing God's forgiveness and realize what Christ did on the cross was something that was for you? Shucks. That's how I got into rock and roll. I was on the run, man. I was an orphan at three and a half years old, and my mother passed away. And within a year, we went across the road to live with Grandma. And within a year, she died of a broken heart. And then we went with relatives, sleeping on floors and all of that. And then my father almost burned to death in a junkyard fire. He had gasoline all over him, and he just—I remember— he almost died. I remember him, his skin and all of that. My. So when people start coming at me with sad stories, man, you know, talk to the hand. You got that hand, play it or die trying. Yeah. You yeah. know, just, I mean, it's all right to cry, well, but what, keep what, walking. What about that point that, I mean, where there was a, a tra- was there a point of transformation for you when, when you when you trusted Christ and what he did for you on the cross. Where were you in life when that happened? Well, um, we were raised Catholic, but in the summer we had an uncle and an aunt that didn't have any children. And get this, God has a sense of humor. Her name was Grace. Yeah, you told me Grace. Yeah, yeah. And, and she taught you the Bible verses. Well, she'd, she'd go to prayer meetings and everything, man. One arm was longer than the other because she was dragging me everywhere to every, <laughs> every, every prayer meeting and everything. So she, uh, she led me to the Lord. Wow. And uh, she was always praying for me when I was running and gunning. I'd call her from different parts of the world when I was already grown. And she called me her son, her boy. Wow. She, she did have children. Yeah. She'd, and my name is Domingo, which means Sunday. And she'd say, Sunday, my boy, where are you, son? Oh. You know, and when somebody that close to you who can tell yeah. you're in it up to your neck, whether you call them or not, right, man. Yeah. <laughs> phone gets kind of hot. You know? So Aunt Grace really was a, a pretty important influence when it came to your relationship with Christ. I mean, yes. pointing you to him and praying for you. Uh, and, after, Go ahead. I'm sorry. And Mrs. Lawler, we lived in an area out in the country that didn't have water and didn't have electricity. And Ms. Lawler would come out there. She'd uh, bring a felt board and sit up under the trees down by the river, and she'd tell stories about Moses, Joseph, and David, and all those people. Mrs. Ms. Lawler, God rest her soul. Ms. Lawler. Yeah. We, need, we need women like Ms. Lawler, don't we? Well, they're out there, I'm telling you. We just, I mean, they don't have the fanfare, but, boy, they'll be front line when we get to the rewards. Sam, you're 80 years old now. And uh-huh. matter of fact, your birthday's next month in February. Is it February 28th? Yes. Your birthday. Yes. My birthday's February 21st, so really? we're both February babies. Yeah. Uh, when you look back over the past 80 years, what have you discovered most about God's faithfulness in your life? Don't look in the rearview mirror. You're going to run into a tree. Yeah. (laughs) No. Everybody gets a hand to play. You know, if you, I knew somebody had told me that whatever life gives you, you know, take it and do something with it. You know, what's that? All I ever get is, uh, 
what there's some saying some people get all of this and I only get that. Well, if all you get is sour grapes, grind them, make some wine, <laughs> set it out, and have a feast when they ferment. You know, yeah, just well. Uh, now, uh, you've had the opportunity uh, to do ministry. Matter of fact, you've had a prison ministry for some 20 years in the Federal Correction Institute, I believe, here in the Memphis area. Is that right? I think so. I didn't count the years, yeah. but God gave me favor. And uh, So what did you do when you went into prison to, to share, to talk about Christ? Uh, what was the setting? What was your, you know, the venue when you would go in? I'd just go in, and they'd, they'd, they had a room. Uh, and I'd, I'd teach a class in Spanish, and uh, one of the officers, when I'd gone in with a group for just a week or so, they said, man, you really get along with these guys, and you communicate, and I said, yeah, I almost came here as a resident. <laughs> so, but uh, he asked me if I would like to teach a class in Spanish, and because uh, he, I had some knowledge of the Bible, and I said sure. And he started out as a little group, and it got bigger, it got bigger, and then uh, non-Hispanics would come and ask, "May we sit in there with your your class? I don't understand Spanish, but I understand the Holy Spirit, man, and I I want to be in there and, and see and, and hear the word, I, yeah." yeah. Well, so then I began to teach bilingually. Now, you've also done ministry in prisons overseas, uh, in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. And, and recently, I think as of early as February of last year, you spent some time in Cuba, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. David, David, is that correct? I guess David's in the room twice in Cuba that you've been. So talk about some of those travels. Well, uh, when you say these things... Um, I'm trying to choose my words here because, you know, religion is great, but true and pure religion is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. On these two hinge the whole gospel. To God be the glory. To, to God definitely be the glory, Sam. Okay, you have, I believe, a son and a daughter. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I remember meeting your daughter when she was just a little oh. bitty girl. I mean, she was, I think, just barely walking. Yes, Brisa. Matter of fact, before the Bot Radio Network bought the station here, I was working for the station prior. It was WMSO out in Collierville, a little block building out on Fleming Road. And you did the Saturday afternoon, and I did the Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time you needed a ride, and I gave you a ride home, and that's when I met your little girl. And I think uh-huh. she would just barely walk. Yeah. What's her name again? Brisa, Brisa. which means breeze. Because I, I was a sea captain, and yeah. when she came along, I loved the sea. I worked out in the— We're on several ships, weren't you? Well, the small stuff like uh, crew boats and uh, work boats, 300-pound class, and crew boats are kind of like the motorcycles of the water, man. You're just all over the place. Yeah. I worked those, and I loved that. worked the oil fields in Mexico when that well blew out, right. the East Stoke. But then uh, when Brisa came along, I knew that I was going to have to come off the water and be a father. So I named her Brisa in Spanish. It's Breeze. Yeah, yeah. I would always want a Breeze through right. my home. Wow. And, and what about your son? Your, your, your son? I have two of them. You have Demetrius two sons. 
Demetrius was the oldest one, and Delano. Did they have any uh, aspiration for music or singing? Oh, or, yeah. Demetrius is a jazz and classical uh, upright bass and electric bass musician. Okay. And Delano played guitar some, but he works for Sitco Petroleum, I believe. Right. So definitely music has been part of the Samudio home for many, many years. I guess so. Uh, you know, I, you know, it just if you got a radio, plug it in. If yeah. you don't like it, <laughs> unplug it and start singing. Hey, Sam, we're going to have to get ready to wrap up our show. We've got just about two minutes left. But before we say goodbye, when you look at your life the past 80 years and you look at the future, because, I mean, you know, you're still with us and going strong for Jesus. <laughs> Is it uh, over? <laughs> no, it's not over. It's not over. Uh what legacy do you hope you would leave to your children and other people that would come after you? Uh, you know, people listen to your talk, but they're going to watch your walk, yeah. you know. And if they they can tell them more about your walk than they can about your talk, and that's it. I, I, I don't care what man says. Uh, what I want the Lord to say is, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in, Sam. Come on in, Sam. Yeah. God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for what you do for Christ's kingdom and have done for so many years. Thank you for being an inspiration to me. There's one thing I want to say. I've always, the very few times that we've been together on different occasions, I know you don't remember all of them, but I remember, and there's been a true sense of humility in your life and a deep abiding love for the Jesus that I love and serve too. And it's, it's just great to have you as a brother and be encouraged by you. Thanks again to David Sitton for, for bringing you here today. Oh, God bless David. He's like, he's like the Timothy. He's always getting me yes. at the right place at the right time and everything. You know. Well, well we're going to have to say goodbye on that. Friends, we appreciate you joining us today as we visit with Sam the Sham, no other, Sam Samudio, here on our Mid-South Viewpoint program today. We're going to say goodbye on that. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. God bless you. Oh!